If you want to participate, contact me at ordinarywomenpodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure you have great projects to brag about. You can also follow me and message me on Instagram at ordinarywomenpodcast, on Twitter at ordinarywomenpc, or on Facebook on the page Ordinary Women. This episode contains mentions of children marriage and police brutality. If you're sensitive to the subjects, consider skipping the podcast. I also had not realized how much you could hear the fireworks as I recorded this on Guy Fox Night. Sorry for the inconvenience. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Ordinary Women. I'm welcoming Mariam today for a quite special episode because uh, Mariam is Iranian and wants to uh, speak for Iranian women today. So thank you so much, Mariam, uh, for being here today. Can you start by giving us a quick introduction of yourself, please? Hi, and uh, first of all, thank you for giving me this platform. Um, my name is Mariam. I'm from Iran. Uh, but I left Iran uh, 10 years ago. I lived in Malaysia for, I guess, almost three years. And then 2015, I've been, uh, I moved to Germany. And since then, I've been living in Berlin. I studied software engineering back in Iran. And I was uh, working as a backend developer. And the past four years, I moved to the engineering manager role. And uh, I always advocated for women's rights, equality, and empowerment. But since uh, September 16th, events happening in Iran uh, led me towards taking an active role uh, as a kind of like a political role. Uh, a group of uh, other Iranians in exile and I uh, organized a 24-7 sitting strike in front of the Green Party building in Berlin since October 9th and it's still ongoing. So this is the fourth week that we are there and uh, we kind of like started the, this sit-in because we want to receive a response from Annalena Baerbock, the foreign minister and member of the Green Party. With, uh, she has the feminist agenda. So we want to receive a response to our request, which is to deport the Islamic regime of Iran's uh, ambassador and stop dealing with the Islamic government of Iran. And yeah, so, you know, it's just like I've, been an engineering manager, be doing the something totally different. But uh, now I feel that okay, I have a responsibility towards my people in Iran. So impressive. Um, do you feel that um, German people are also responsive, or anyone living in Berlin? Um, people be, like living in Berlin, do they also respond? Come with you. Uh, we received um, a lot of support from uh, different uh, groups and um, we, um, at least for our sitting, we received some uh, support from the news uh, agency to come and create reports about what we are doing there. But to be honest, it's uh, it was not as much as we expected. We kind of feels that um, 
we needed to a bigger wave. That's true that these days, every day when you open um, any news um, channel, you're gonna hear about Iran and what is happening uh, recently. But um, what we expect is to challenge the politicians, you know, it's not, uh, we receive a lot of supports in board, but uh, there isn't that much of action yet. Right. And have you heard anything yet back from politicians and people like maybe higher, um, yeah, politicians um, you're trying to get attention from? Yeah. We had uh, on the first week that we had our sitting in front of the Green Party, uh, the first two days, we didn't um, get any kind of like attention from them. On the third day that uh, um, Omid Noripur and um, I have to check the name, uh, the other lady from that they are uh, co-leading, the Green Party, they uh, came to uh, talk with us and uh, they just like said exactly the stop. They support this movement. They are with uh, women in Iran and uh, they just like, again, supporting in words. On the third day, they brought us coffee and cookies. <laughs> that was just like, okay, this is not what we are for yeah. here. And um, yeah, they, um, as I've mentioned, they are telling that, yeah, we are supporting, we want to put sanction on Iranians, uh, uh, folks uh, or the ones that are taking, uh, the, doing the harms to the people like the IRGC or Besiege. But uh, we as an Iranian knows that doesn't have to have that much of effect. This is uh, something that it, you know, for example, if you have a kid and then you want to do some um, punishment to just like uh, tell, okay, for example, you're grounded and then you cannot do this. The sanction is like that. But the, what we, believe, we are believing that the government, the Islamic regime of Iran is not, um, a, a government that can change and move towards the best version of itself. What we are demanding uh, on what our people are demanding is the totally uh, changing this government. You know, we don't want this uh, dictatorship anymore. And um, we don't see the actions that happening from the um, the politicians uh, is a, kind of like aligned with that request that's coming from Iran. Yeah, that's that's so tough. Um, and do you know like how it is internationally? Like, do every country kind of have the same answer? Is anyone doing kind of the same thing? Uh, I think, for example, in Canada, they um, put uh, hard, kind of like tougher sanctions for specific people because, um, as the Iranian uh, believes that the Canada was the heaven for the um, 
peoples of the Islamic regime because they took the money there, you know, majority of them have uh, financial accounts there, they have um, house, they have citizenship there and they, their children are living there, you know, and enjoying the freedom and all the things that the young generation in Iran are, are prohibited from so their own children living in a free world and enjoying their own their life so yeah as every country have their own uh, agenda what we as, as an iranian living in germany what we expect because germany has a kind of like a vital role in the european union so we believe if they do a harsher action they can kind of lead the other European countries to uh, follow. Uh, I've just like read in the news that uh, Switzerland won't follow, even uh, won't follow the sanction that the other countries want to do. And it was really um, sad to see that because uh, why, why not? So uh, now we are pretty sure that they're uh, taking the money that Islamic regime after Iran, there uh, the official will uh, transfer the monies to the banks in the Switzerland. And if there is no sanction applying there, so this money will be taken out of the people's hand. So that is sad, to be honest, to see this. Yeah, and it's always so devastating to see that even when it's human rights and people. The, exactly. like economical aspects will um, come stronger for some countries. It's always so devastating. Um, it is, it is. Yeah, thank you very much for um, filling in the gaps of my um, absence of knowledge. <laughs> no worries. And um, coming maybe a bit more on to you, uh, was there an event or a moment in your life when you realized that you are a woman? Uh, growing up in Iran, uh, this is not very kind of like difficult to understand and you realize that, okay, you are a woman, you will realize it uh, at a very early age. Because as a girl, you have to wear hijab and cover your hair since you are going to preschool at age six. So this is maybe the first point you are releasing, you are kind of like understanding the, the, the difference. And um, it is so sad that you uh, will get object, uh, objectified from that early age. For me, uh, maybe another uh, memory that um, when I uh, remembering that it doesn't bring any joy is a religious celebration for girls that happen uh, in at age of nine. Uh, in Farsi, we call it Jashna uh, Taklif, and uh, I don't know, maybe the English word for it would be Fest of Duty. Uh, this is a religious uh, ceremony. Uh, designed to instill Islamic beliefs and values in girls. When they reach at the age of nine, it means that, okay, now you are uh, prepared for, to follow all these um, 
Shari law, you have to wear a, uh, for the ceremony, you have to wear a white uh, chador. It is that kind of like from the top of your head till um, covering your legs as well. And then they are celebrating you as you reach the age that you can um, get married uh, soon and start a family. Uh, because the official marriage age for girls in Iran is 13. But uh, we have marriages that uh, get officiated by the government, even for younger girls. And for many of these underage marriage in Iran, uh, the bride doesn't have the menstruation cycle yet. And still, these will get officiated and it's such a horrible event. So that's the reason that this memory doesn't bring any joy for me because it's kind of like ah, the beginning of the your official imprisonment, something like that. Yeah. Um, this is still the case today that young women get uh, married at that age. Is it still yeah. a lot of yes, them? Yes, yes. I think, I'm not sure, I have to check the exact date, but uh, I remember that uh, we wanted to, uh, some of the representatives in the parliament try to change the law and uh, change this um, marriage age for girls to be 15 and it didn't pass. So yeah, we have some cases that the girl is 12 years old, 10 years old and get forced to be married. Of course, this is not happening in the big cities, but you know, Iran is a big country and um, we have over 80 million population. And if the law allow it, you know, how does it end? Yeah, and there are there a lot of people to protest um, against it in the big in these big cities. Um, yes, we um, in the at least in the big cities, uh, you know the, um, the families they are avoiding it, but the the, the concern is for uh, those um, places that. Um, the women doesn't have that much voice and you know um, it's just like the the whole uh, government is uh, supporting men more than women so when you don't have a law that kind of like supports you and you are voiceless and this doesn't end in any uh, good way so that's the problem yeah, completely. It's so, yeah, scary and, yeah. Um, and did you grow up with any female role model? When I'm looking back, um, unfortunately, I cannot remember any female role models that uh, was presented to us during our education time or in the TV programs. Uh, the only one that I can remember vividly is the religious figure, daughter of the Prophet Muhammad, and how uh, 
a good daughter, wife, and mom she was. So it was not like that they promoting education uh, for women or encourage them to continue their education, to be independent. It's always was like that, okay, as a woman, uh, you the only and most fulfilling uh, task for you is to uh, get married, your child, raise them and be um, serving your family, you know, be a good wife and a good mom. So, um, as I did not get it from the school, neither from the TV shows, and uh, I was looking up to my mom. Uh, my mom got married uh, at age 16. <laughs> so, exactly, you know, it's just like uh, not. A very it's kind of like underage child uh, marriage but she continued um, her education while she would, uh, had me and my sister and after finishing her bachelor's degree she started working as a teacher so she was a good role model for me even you know 20 years after uh, her education she decided okay i want to continue and get my uh, master's degree and she did it so yeah i was lucky that i had her but um, let me just like clear that even though they didn't present us uh, with the female role models during our education, we have so many uh, successful women in different areas. Um, for example, Furukh uh, Farrokhzad is uh, a very famous and influential Iranian uh, poet and film director. Uh, and Maria Mirzakhani, she was, uh, she, um, unfortunately she passed away, but she was um, very um, great mathematician and she was honored with the fields model. Anusha Ansari, uh, she is the first female space tourist and Simon uh, Bebahani, the Iranian poet. Iran Darudi, um, very um, famous painter, surrealist painter, and this list goes on. So the problem was like that. We had the, we had them, but it was not like that. They showing us to them so we can look up to them and uh, follow their path because this was not their agenda. So when did you learn about them? Um, I think uh, for me, uh, mostly it was just like um, not during the um, elementary school. So when I was 17, 18, when I went to university and studied more and uh, kind of like have access to the internet and looking up them. So that was the moment right. to have more knowledge about it. And so, as your mom also went to university, did she also learn about them during uni? Would she talk, like, tell you about them, or did you not speak about them at all at home? Mm, I think uh, my uh, what uh, my mom was just like uh, introduced me with introducing to uh, different uh, female writers like you see me in Danish bar because my mom was just like in very fan of reading so 
and I've got introduced uh, to many writers. But uh, yeah, I guess now she also, what um, it was not very in her radar to have in mind to just like introduce more successful females to me. So yeah. Mm. And how did that impact you, that lack of representation of women? I think I was lucky that at least I had my mom that, you know, she was uh, showing me that, okay, it doesn't matter in which situation you are, you always can uh, proceed towards your goals and dreams. So it was good that I had her and um, so, I, I kind of feel that it didn't, um, maybe, maybe I'm not sure, maybe I would be a total different person if I knew about these people beforehand, because from the beginning of uh, my uh, childhood, I always wanted to be a teacher because I was looking up my mom. I said, yeah, I also want to be a teacher. <laughs> and yeah, maybe I would be in a different position, but, uh, I know it's just like uh, at least I feel that it was good that I had my mom did uh, um, continued her education and I could look up to her and uh, proceed towards that path and she was very supportive my dad also was very supportive towards that I remember that um, the first the day that he got me a computer it said okay it's good because now it seems like a fancy thing go on this direction because when I wanted to go to the university I was um, had a chance to be go towards the um, physics um, path because I kind of like accepted on that field in the uh, university as well and the computer science um, the software engineer and uh, my dad was just like very eager no it seems like this one looks better and uh, it's more uh, looks more fun maybe you want to go in this direction and he got me a computer even though it was very expensive and so yeah I think I was lucky yeah was he also encouraging you to go to uni get yeah exactly mm -hmm. um and what do your role models teach you or all these women that you mentioned and also your mom uh to be strong, you know, it's just like, uh, and uh, resist. And uh, I think this is the first thing that maybe majority of the women uh, learn during uh, their lifetime, that sometimes you need to try even harder than men to uh, earn some things, but uh, we are all, um, fight we have all of us i guess majority of the women have a fighter within themselves and this is something that uh, we see and uh, we, we resist and we are strong this is uh, something that i've learned from uh, many of uh, women around me and um, these days when I'm looking at the young generation that are going to the street, I 
kind of like uh, I admire them to be honest because uh, they um, are very informed. They are very wise. It just have the access to the um, information uh, through the internet uh, significantly impacts how they see the world around them and their courage. It's really uh, it's something that I kind of like in, I'm involved because they uh, these days they are going into streets and fighting for their uh, basic rights and uh, with bare hands against the bullets because the government is um, brutally uh, cracking down the protest uh, protesters and uh, it is so nice and um, uh, I don't know how to say, but every time it's just like a bittersweet because they should not be in the streets to fighting this fight, but also it's admirable that they are uh, going to streets and fight for the, their rights, for the equality and freedom. So they are very strong and I admire them. I'm kind of like looking up to them to be more stronger and more brave. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I remember especially the first days um, of the current protests, it was so powerful to see all these women together. It was, um, yeah, incredibly powerful. Um, yeah, so and like like usually we we kind of focus on like a project or something that the um the guest has done but obviously today we're going to focus more on like what's currently happening in iran and especially after uh masa hamini has been killed um so yeah do you want to give us a bit um of like a background on the current regime and like what's happening for women at the moment Exactly. So uh, I think one thing that we have to understand about the Islamic regimes of Iran is that this regime is in uh, is a gender apartheid regime. So since uh, 1979, after the um, uh, first revolution in Iran, then it is uh, since the Islamic regime of um, its own power they treated women and girls as a second class citizens in iran so if you are a woman you are there are so many rules for you there are so many limitations for you you can't go it's some of them is so basic and i think that you cannot imagine you know some of these are very basic uh, rights that you at, at, sometimes when i'm just like repeating it for myself it sounds very stupid that how is it possible to uh, get these rights from uh, half of the population for example as a woman you cannot uh, cycle in the public you cannot ride a motorcycle you uh, are not allowed to sing and dance you if you want to be a singer as a woman you cannot go on that path because it's not allowed as a woman you always have um to have a man um 
in next to you to sing with you because it's not allowed uh sounds of a voice of women be heard you know it's it's so and you cannot go to um football stadium some of these rules doesn't make sense at all and it's just like um you you have to cover your hair wear loose clothing and fully cover your arms and legs you're not uh, allowed to request a divorce and if you divorce the custody of your child directly go to the man so you don't have any rights towards your children and um, if you're married and you want to continue your education you need your man's permission and if your husband doesn't allow that you won't be able uh, to continue your education if you want to travel, you you need your man's permission. So if your man doesn't allow you to have a passport, you cannot have you can you can't have a passport to uh, travel outside of Iran. Even inside of Iran, if your man uh, doesn't allow and you do it, he can't go to the court and just like. Um, a create a file against you, and uh, these are all your your even your life has uh, half the worth of man's value your testimony have uh, has have half the um, man's testimony so for a specific case if there if you want to go to the court there is if is a one man it's against two women so you have to have two women to say the same thing to be acceptable by the by the court if you die in an accident because your life has half the worth of men's uh, you the insurance gonna pay half of the money to your family and in iran uh, unfortunately we have these um um death penalty so just imagine this case if you been murdered by a man as a woman if you've been killed by a man and if your family wants a death penalty they have to pay the family of the guy half of the price of his life and then the guy will be executed so when I'm saying that this is a gender apartheid regime, I like to, you to understand and don't mix it with only this is the a hijab issue or this is their culture. No, this is a gender apartheid regime. I didn't know it was that, um, yeah, that much. Um, I'm assuming it's useless to ask about transgender people oh that's so they don't you this is it's not allowed it's not yeah it's not allowed to be a um gay or lesbian mm. so if you are a transgender you have to go through the transition if not they won't allow you to be a transgender so okay if you're saying that i have i'm in a wrong uh, body i have a wrong identity you have 
to go through this transition and they won't allow you to have your uh, identity by yourself. If you are a lesbian or gay, that's not acceptable at all. And this uh, this is a death uh, penalty for it. So it's just like um, all the minority groups have problem uh, in uh, Iran. So even we have people uh, with the different religions like Baha'i, so they will also be arrested and, you know, uh, some of them are then executed and they don't have any rights. I was born as a Muslim because it comes from blood. So because my dad, his dad and, you know, the generation was Muslim, the moment that I opened my eyes in the world, I was Muslim and I cannot change it. If I want to change my religious, um, I will be uh, um, executed because I will be mushrik. It's not, uh, you cannot change your uh, religious, it's not allowed. So um, I'm an atheist, if I go back in Iran and I claim that I'm an atheist, I will be executed if they um, know that I'm publicly said and promoting it. So these are all the things that I think, I, I still don't believe how is it possible that the a regime with this much of um, oppression uh, will be uh, having uh, all this political relationship with the world for 43 years. And <laughs> to speak during all these, the past 40, uh, I think it's now maybe eight, 50 days, while women in Iran were just like uh, fighting for their basic uh, human rights, Iran had uh, a seat in the Women's uh, Right Council in the UN. <laughs> that was just like mind-blowing for me. It's just like, why? Yeah, like is it just all of it? Like does it even mean anything at this point? It's, it's outrageous. Just... Yeah, these are sometimes I kind of like feels that, okay, why we have UN if it's just like a such a useless organization and they cannot act on anything? Why do we have it at all? Yeah, it's such a, it's such a tricky, tricky one. Like it sounds very beautiful, but in reality, because as you just said, yeah, they can't actually force countries it's uh yeah um and so yeah we mentioned a bit masa hamini do you want to tell us a bit more about who she was uh what happened yeah yeah sure so masa Gina amini yeah, sure. was a kurdish iranian girl she was 22 years old when she passed away in hospital in tehran uh, she went to, she slipped into coma after 
she was uh, brutally beaten up by the morality police while she was in their custody. So uh, she uh, she's from Sakas. Uh, Sakas is a small uh, town in um, west part of Iran. So she was traveling to Tehran and she was detained by morality police. She was not even unveiled. She had her job, but according to these uh, morality police or hijab police, we call them gashter shot. They, uh, her hijab was not um, according to the hijab laws or it was not proper. And I don't know if you've seen the videos that, uh, these morality police detains women. They are uh, they they're using all their forces against women, and they're using batons. They don't care if when they're pushing them into the van, uh, they're hitting their head into the doors, and it's just like they. It's all against human rights so they kind of like brutally um, beaten up her by buttons and then when they uh, forced her to the van it seems like that there were some um beaten up happening inside the van as well so she slipped into the coma and after i guess one one or two days in coma she passed away in hospitals so uh it's so sad that you see uh, a human loses her life for just part of her hair showing up. This is not a reason that the life has to be taken out. You know, she, she was so young. She was only 22 years old. She had her whole life ahead her and she was it's taken from her. And uh, so during her funeral, the, uh, I think it was just like everything is so now symbolic in was just like because uh, on uh, her uh, gravestone, uh, one of her family member written that Gina, uh, John, you've, you're not dead your uh, name will be a symbol it's gonna be um kind of like uh, it's just like for us it's like that yes it's now symbol of freedom symbol of all these uh, revolutionary acts that happening and um after that it was just like these um jian azadi is um, slo uh, chanting slogans for um it's coming from the kurdish uh, background and it means uh, women life freedom so it's kind of like started this uh, whole um, protest so after her death um, kind of like her death sparked a series of protests and movements the pain of her death was uh, so much that uh, some women, because this is in our culture, you know, that uh, when uh, someone's dying, that they're cutting their hair in, to mourn her death. So women started cutting their hair 
and uh, for her and the Iranian women. And I, I'm not sure that if you've seen the videos, it's kind of like supported by many other women and men around the globe to show their solidarity with Iranians, women, and young generation went to the street, the, the girls started burning their hijabs and uh, dancing and um, chanting this Zhenjian Azadi or Zan Zendegi Azadi, which means women life freedom. And the, since then, the protests have been ongoing, led by women, supported by men shoulder by shoulder every day in the streets we see a new group of uh, protests chanting zan zendegi azadi and uh, death to khamenei which is the supreme leader of iran death to dictator and they really want demanding a regime change and um the young generation has active role in leading these protests, uh, even though the Islamic regime uses its maximum uh, force to brutally cracks down on the on the protesters, but it doesn't scare the people and it doesn't stop them from coming to the street and um, fighting for their rights. You know, we see uh, among the protesters that have been killed by um, the Islamic regime of Iran, the ages are 16, 15, 17. It's just like breaking my heart every day to see those because uh, they, they had a whole life ahead of them and they, should, they shouldn't be dead because of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's heartbreaking and absolutely outrageous, the silence from every other country. It's, um, yeah, thank you so much for saying that, because I know it's also not easy. So thank you very, very much. Okay. Um, I think it would be a good time to kind of call everyone to action. Um, so what can we do? I think as an uh, inter international people, maybe the easiest action that you can uh, do is uh, to be voice of the Iranian people and amplify their voice. Um, write down to your uh, representatives, demand them to stop the deals with the Islamic regime of Iran, you know, call them. Um, ask them to um, deport the Iranian ambassadors from your country, stop the political relationship with Iran, and don't uh, continue, doesn't uh, ask them to not continue the nuclear deal with Iran. Just like imagine a country that brutally kill its own people, uh, how would it uh, behave when they have access to the nuclear so uh, demand your representative and ask them to stop any kind of deal with Iran. Ask your female leaders and journalists to not wear hijab when they are going to Iran or when they 
uh, doing the reports from maybe to the um, Iranians official. I think it was the beginning of the this protest that I've seen one of the American journalists that uh, because she wanted to get an interview with Raisi, the current president of Islamic regime of Iran. Uh, she had her job in America, in US soil. And that was so shocking. And uh, for me to see that, okay, we are dying because of this to drop and I don't know what do you think to wear this in your free country and let them to force you to what to wear and just I think two days ago I see a group of female um, leaders that was in Iran or I don't know what was just what kind of the event was and all of them has hijab and that's just like it's uh, it's so frustrating to see that. So mm, what I mm, suggest is just like if you see that you have a female leaders uh, wearing your job and tell that this is their culture. No, this is not our culture. Um, be on our side, not on their side. And uh, we since the protests uh, started in Iran, the Iranians in exile, um, organized so many demonstrations all around the globe. Join them, show their uh, show uh, them your support, and uh, amplify the Iranians' voice. There are so many uh, collectives that started doing activities to support Iranian. You can, of course, help them financially. And uh, it is less than two months since the revolutionary protests, but till now the uh, Islamic regime of Iran killed more than uh, 40 underage children. So this is so, look, don't look at it as a number. These are people, these were our future generation and with every uh, that person, this is a whole family behind them that has destroyed. So help us to keep the human rights organization taking actions. And uh, yeah, these are some things that I think I can think of it. And uh, yeah, but the most important things is just like. Um, demand uh, from your uh, representative in your parliament, ask them to support us. Thank you so much. I'll put uh, in the resources of the podcast, like some links um, to petitions or like find some templates uh, for everyone to send. Please do it. It is important. Um, thank you so, so, so much for your time you. and speaking about it. I know it's um, not an easy conversation, so thank you so much. Um, is there anything that we have not mentioned, we haven't talked during the podcast that you want to say now? 
Thank you so much for giving me this uh, platform to talk what it is to uh, what it is like to be a woman in Iran growing up in Iran. Uh, I like to uh, end my talk with a quote from Tahere Guratul Ain, who became uh, uh, the first uh, martyr in Iran after appearing unveiled in public in 1852. You can kill me as soon as you like but you can't stop the emancipation of women.